0: Oh, too kind, too kind. Red Rocks Church, how are we doing? You guys doing good? You guys feeling good? Hey, right up top, let's just welcome everybody, of course here at Littleton Campus, but at Lakewood, at Arvada, Evergreen, and our Brussels Campus, and everybody at God Behind Bars. We love you. Let's give it up for them. We're so glad that you guys are here. I want to welcome you to our ongoing series, which is Freestyle. And it's been a series where we can kind of talk about what we feel like God's led uh, us to talk about as pastors. And uh, I just want to remind us as we're coming in here, because a lot of us come from a whole lot of different backgrounds. And some of us know God, some don't. Um, Some are trying to just figure it out. And no matter what your background is, you're welcome here in this place. And we just are praying for you, and we just believe it's no coincidence that you are here today. And if you're listening online or at God Behind Bars, it's no coincidence that you are here today. And we believe, strongly believe, that God is going to speak powerfully. So let's just pray and ask him to do that for us today, all right? Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for this church, Red Rocks Church. It's your church, and you lead it. And God, I pray that you would speak. Just your Holy Spirit would speak to people who are walking in here with brokenness and weakness and those who are confused about life or what to do next. God, I pray uh, that you would speak to them, and we know that you will. And so we just give you this time, God, let it be your words today, not my words. Let it be your words through your word and for your glory. We love you in Jesus' name and all of Red Rock, said, amen. Amen. Hey, so our family has a dog, all right? It's an insane dog. It has way too much energy and my dog's name is Birdie and I think we have a picture of Birdie right there. There's Birdie. Don't awe because she's like a raptor. She looks sweet but she ain't. Bertie is a a two-and-a-half-year-old Irish setter. And my wife, who's an interior designer, was like, oh, babe, please, can we just get this dog? It's so regal and sophisticated-looking. And uh, she wanted a dog out of, like, a Ralph Lauren ad. And I just wanted a dog that could hunt so I could shoot stuff. It's very different things for us. So we meet in the middle. We meet in the middle, and we buy this overpriced show dog. Bertie's mom is a national champion show dog. And Bertie's dad is a pedigree hunter. So yeah, let the games begin, right? So I signed Birdie up for her very first hunting class. And I'm walking out the door and Kelly comes up to me. And she's like, oh, babe, hey, if the dog, like, runs off or something, I've got it covered. Because in puppy training class, there's a recall word. And she'll come right back to you. I was like, wow, that's that's awesome. I'd love to know what the recall word is. And so she says, "Okay, so what you need to yell is, (laughs) Yoo-hoo. And I'm like, did you say YooHoo? That's the worst word I've ever heard anybody come up with. How could you come up with that word? I mean, why not just here? And she said, well, the trainer said, in an emergency, you want a special word that they'll run back to you for. I said, well, why couldn't it have been like Geronimo or SEAL Team 6 or just something, (laughs) something better than what you came up with? And so we argue and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, Bertie and I leave, and I show up to the class. We're doing our first field class together. And I walk past this sea of lifted trucks, okay? And there are yellow labs, and chocolate labs, and black labs, and German short hairs, And all of the names are like, Buck, Remington, Scout, Gunpowder. <laughs> and I have Bertie right next to me, prancing along like a show dog, and we're going into the field. So I'm already concerned. So we get to the field, and the first thing the trainer says is this, he says, I'm gonna release a bird, fellas. And the command you will give them is, get the bird. Okay, so, yeah, you see where I'm going. So he calls me up and he's asking me, he's like, okay, so what's your dog's name? And I'm like, well, it's Birdie. So obviously I can't say get the bird because she is the bird and she's gonna get confused if I say that. (laughs) And the dude shook his head. He's like, well, why would you name a bird dog Birdie? And I was like, dude, it's a long story. My kids love the name. My kids love the name. So anyway, he releases the bird, and to my surprise, Bertie takes off like a lightning bolt, jumps in midair, grabs this bird like Air Jordan out of the, air. and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And the guy's like, out of his mind. He's like, "Man, that dog sure can hunt," and I was like, "She sure can." And then Birdie just keeps running <laughs> into the distance, and I can't yell, Bertie because all the, birds are, all the dogs are going to freak out looking for birds, and I can't and won't yell yoo-hoo because I'm a grown man. <laughs> so I'm in trouble. Fifteen minutes later, I get my dog back. Yeah, we ruined the class, but Birdie eventually passed her class, which was good. But it was a horrible experience. That, that experience was a disaster. Everything went wrong. And I thought I was completely prepared. Things were under control, but they really weren't. And I think that feels like life sometimes. Sometimes in life, it feels the same way, where we try to control things. We try to control all of the experiences. But we have these little moments where we realize, gosh, I'm really powerless. And like my story, sometimes we're just too prideful to want to call out for help. Now, if you told me that somebody actually had a video of that, like I would pay any amount of money to stink and get that video back, right? You don't want to see that online because we don't want to be reminded of our failures in life. But let's be honest, we all experience failure in life. We all experience weakness. And we all respond to it really differently, don't we? Like for me, here's how I respond. I overcompensate for my failures. That's why I have a lifted truck. (laughs) Maybe you have a weakness too, all right? But a lot of us, we double down on discipline and sheer will. It's all about self-reliance, and we promise ourselves that we will never put ourselves in a position of weakness again. We promise ourselves that, and we work hard, and our whole entire life becomes like one big CrossFit competition, doesn't it? I'm never going to show my weakness, we say. And others of us experience failure very differently, and we implode on the inside. We collapse. We believe lies of the enemy like, well, God's just done with me. I'm not worth another chance in life. That you've made so many mistakes that there's no use in fighting it. You're a failure already and everybody knows that and God knows that, right? We believe these lies. And something that I think all of us have in common is sometimes we're let down by somebody. We see somebody fail in our life and then that makes us feel like a failure. And maybe it's a family that you grew up in that was dysfunctional. Maybe it's a relationship or a marriage failure somebody who was supposed to protect you didn't somebody's addiction affected you negatively maybe it was a church that hurt you and because of past failures and mistakes you don't like your story to be honest in fact if you could rewrite your story you would and to be honest a lot of us do that every single day of our life we want to rewrite our story but i'm here to tell you today That you don't need a different story in life you need to see your story differently you need to see your story differently and what i want to talk to you about today is the fact that hey listen we're all imperfect like join the imperfect club all of us are imperfect and we're all searching for things but god wants to work through your weaknesses and not around your weaknesses and I truly believe that if we're willing to trust God and his power in our life, that we're able to do amazing things for Christ with his power. But you have to give him your entire life, not just part of your life, but your whole life, your whole story. We all make mistakes in life because nobody's perfect. Romans three twenty-three through 24 says this. For who? For all, it says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so join the club. And all are justified freely by His grace, which is awesome. That's good news. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, we've all fallen short of God's best for our life, and we've missed the mark of perfection. All of us have willfully turned to do our own thing on our life. We took the reins back in our life, and we want to do our own thing. And even with our own best efforts and calculations, and we do so many prevention, uh, prevention measures, We all still fall short, even when we try all that stuff. But I'm here to tell you, the good news is there is a way forward. And it's through our weaknesses. It's not around your weakness. And it's different than the way you would do it. And it's different than the way you probably even think about it. Isaiah 55.9 tells us, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts than your thoughts. So God thinks differently than you think. God's ways are higher than your ways. See, God sees everything from a completely different vantage point, a perfect vantage point. So God sees all the blind spots in my life and in your life and all the sin in your life and my life and the selfish motives that we try to cover up all the time. He sees it all, but he loves us anyway and he pursues us constantly, relentlessly to trust him and to follow him. He's much closer than you or I even think. Now, I used to think that God showed up in my life at age 20. I used, to, I used to think that. And he did in a powerful and miraculous way because that is the year that I gave my life to Jesus and I started to follow God with all my heart and I, tr- I learned the ways of Jesus. I learned the teachings of Jesus and I tried to do the same thing. But the longer that I've been following God, the more I look back and I see where God was working, and God was trying to get a hold of my attention. And I didn't see him at the time, and I certainly didn't want to acknowledge him at the time. But God was making every effort to get my attention. And even though I didn't follow him, he seemed to be following me around. I don't know, have you guys ever felt that? Where you just feel like, gosh God, are you just like around? I keep getting these, this sense that you're just in my midst, that things are happening all the time, and It's in those difficult moments of failure and weakness, it's in the midst of pain, that God seems to be trying to get our attention most sometimes, and to this day, looking back, one of the most pivotal moments of my entire life happened when I was a sophomore in high school, and and I didn't want anything to do with God, but I was having this conversation, this like really intense conversation with my tennis coach. All right, so now you know, all right? I played tennis, okay? All right, I'm just—it feels good. It's therapeutic to tell you that. Um, <laughs> I loved tennis. All I wanted to do is become a professional tennis player. I wanted to be Andre Agassi or Roger Federer. In fact, I actually used to write fake notes. I'd forge notes from my mom that I would give at school so I could get out of school and get home to watch the U.S. Open. Is that messed up? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, what kid does that? so—it's so, it's so weird. Um, I wasn't good at much, but I excelled at two things, competitive tennis and partying. Those are the things I was amazing at. I excelled. But internally, internally, nobody knew that I was battling crippling panic attacks and anxiety in my life. And I was dealing with depression to the point where I didn't even know if I wanted to live anymore. My tennis coach, Mr. Muldowney, I call him Mo was an amazing man. He was this big, hilarious Catholic guy. And sometimes he talked about God. Not always, but he would. And he liked to swear to make a point. And I just, I loved that about him. I don't know, it always got to me. He was like, "Eh, say something. I'd be like, awesome. Um, (laughs) But he got me out of school one day because he noticed something was going on in my life, and it really was. He pulled me out of class, and he put me in his office, and he said, you might not give a dang Zabel, but I do. He didn't say dang, obviously. He <laughs> said, but I do. He's like, every time I see you, you're going down the hallways, you're not even looking up. You're looking down at the ground. You're always looking down at the ground. And, I, and even in that moment, I was looking at the ground. He said, hey, look me in the eye right now. It's like, you look people in the eye when they're talking to you. And then he said, listen up. You look people in the eyes because you belong here. When you go down that hallway, Isabel, you belong in this hallway. You look up, you look them in the eyes. And every time he'd see me, he did this. Like, I'm watching you. I'm watching you, Isabel. And he did that for years. And I loved every time I saw Mo, I knew he was watching me. I knew he was for me. And I knew that he believed that I belonged here. And looking back over my shoulder, now that I look at that, I can clearly see how God was trying to rescue me, to speak to me, to defend me, from the enemy of my soul, and God kept just showing up and nudging me to trust him. And it wasn't until years later that I finally trusted Christ with my life because I fought it for so long because of my pain in my life. It was a painful story that I had, and I didn't know what to do with it. And in a room this size, I can guarantee that God is speaking to some of you today about your life, that the Holy Spirit is beckoning you to follow him. But you're just not sure because of the pain in your life or your story or what you're going through. So you just don't trust God yet. And I would say that's okay. Because he's going to be patient with you like he was with me. And I know in a, in a room this size as well. Maybe some of you view God as the cause of your pain and not the rescuer. When he wants to be the rescuer and that's who he is. Romans 5, 6 and 8 says, You see... At just the right time, and I love that, at just the right time, God comes through at just the right time. When we were still powerless, meaning we could do nothing on our own, Christ died for the ungodly, which included me. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we could care less, when I could care less and could do nothing for God, Jesus carried out his plan for you and for me at just the right time, when we were powerless to change, not because we deserved it, but because we were worth it. And Jesus was perfect. Jesus was perfect. But he allowed ridicule. He endured suffering and a crown of thorns, and he went to the cross to conquer sin and death for you and me. And he was resurrected in power. He didn't stay dead. He was raised from the dead. To live and that is now offered to us those of us who know Christ it's an amazing thing see Jesus was on a rescue mission when he was on that cross when we were powerless and at our weakest he rescued us and I'm here to tell you you don't need a different story in life you need to just see your story differently I want to speak to a lot of us in here that are Christ followers. We've been following Jesus for a while, maybe it's 40, 50 years you've been following him. But I know there's a lot of us physically that are here, but our heart is far from God because we've taken control back because of pain in our life. We don't know what to do with that pain, so we've lost, lost trust in the creator because something's gone wrong. And I just want to remind you of this. I love this verse, Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom he set you free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Meaning, don't go back to the things that once held you in chains. Don't go back. You might feel like you're in control, but you're losing your freedom. And God is for you. He's for your freedom. But we need to trust his power again. We need to trust his goodness again. Like Galatians 5.7 says, I love how, how Paul writes this. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. That does not come from the one who calls you. In the same way, here in Denver, we know traffic is horrible. It's horrible. There's like a billion people here, and some of our highways have two lanes. But when somebody cuts in on you, Obviously, you pray for him first, right? Uh, Bless him. I know he's in a rush. Just bless him. I'm glad to give him space. You know how it feels inside. Let's give that same frustration to the enemy when he tries to cut in on us with some kind of lie in our life. Because God can give you the power to forgive. God can help you overcome that fear, to redeem and heal that marriage, to overcome addiction in your life to start a whole new life, a new season of your life, he can give you the power to do that because he promises his spirit to us. It's the best promise that we get. And I love this, 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us what? Let's say this, let's say it together. Gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's the spirit, he'll give you that. The spirit of God helps you be fearless when you need to, When you need to grind through the hard times of life, because hard times come, they just come. And it doesn't mean that your weaknesses just go away. I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could tell you all the weaknesses go away when you come to Christ. It doesn't. The Apostle Paul, the writer of the last few verses that I just shared with you, also wrote this about his very own weaknesses. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, even Paul pleaded, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He wanted it gone. But he said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Perfect in weakness, in your weaknesses. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And isn't that what we want in our weakness? We need Christ's power in our life. So don't disqualify yourself from what God wants to do in your life because you have weaknesses that you struggle with. Again, join the club, for me, it's anxiety and depression. It gets the best of me sometimes. And maybe for you, it's fear or comparison or perfectionism. Maybe you're one of those guys or girls, you just have a chip on your shoulder all the time, and you're like, just knock it off. Come on, please, I dare you to knock it Like, you just walk around with this thing. And God wants to use your weaknesses to do something different in life with that. Maybe it's a physical condition or a bent towards addiction that you have or maybe a bent towards something else. When we feel that we don't have the strength, through Christ, you can have the strength. You do have the strength because God wants to work through your weaknesses and not around your weaknesses. He wants to work through your story and everybody's got a story. He wants to work through your story, not around your story. So don't allow the enemy to cut in on you and ruin your race you have a race to run and you can be a good runner with God and for some of you you can be a good runner again I want to encourage you if that's you you can be a good runner again you just you need to trust God's power see to be honest with you I had one of the toughest seasons of my life about a year ago 13 years into the Red Rocks church grind of just pastoring and going year by year just struggling through sometimes It can wear on you. And I felt like these things started slowly creeping back in my life, like anxiety, like depression. These things that the enemy used before I even knew Christ. It's the same thing. It's the same lines. I remember just this thing, you don't belong. I would hear this, you don't belong. You don't have what it takes. If you knew God, you wouldn't struggle with this. What if people knew what you struggle with? There are lies from the enemy. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I think a lot of us have been there. But for me, instead of going back to prayer and reading the promises of God, I just started to lose confidence. And that critic's voices got louder and louder in my life. And God's voice just grew quieter and quieter. And I started to feel powerless again. But just at the right time, God knew exactly what I needed and our Red Rocks Church board, who is awesome, they pulled me aside and they said, hey, we're going to give you a little break. In fact, we're going to force you to go on a break. That means you're actually going to go. Like, you're not coming back. And so they gave me a, a two-week break, a couple-week break, and it was amazing. And, and for two weeks, I went and uh, I just read the book of Matthew. I mean, we went on vacation. I just started reading the book of Matthew like I was a brand-new Christian again. I just flipped it open and started reading. And Jesus... I just, I watched the life of Jesus and I just saw that he kept picking all these people that were just horrible for the team. In my mind, I'm like, why are you picking this guy? He's the worst guy. Why are you picking this guy? He picked men and women to follow him who are passed over. They were underdogs, they're fighters. They're rough around the edges and they all had weaknesses and they all had messy stories. And God started speaking to me about my own life and not in an audible, scary way. He was just impressing on me, Brian, what makes you any different? What makes you any different? I'm the one who called you, not your critics. I'm the one who called you. I've never left you. And I'm still speaking if you're willing to listen. And God just did a work in my heart, and I started to listen. I really started to listen. And then one night on our vacation, it it was family movie night. We do it every single week. And if you have kids, you know exactly what it's like. You do family movie night, and the kids pick a Disney movie, right? So they picked this movie, Secretariat. And it was a true story about a racehorse that won the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont in 1973. And if you win all three major races, it's called the Triple Crown, which is an almost impossible feat. Very few horses do it. Now, as a disclaimer, I just want to say, I'm not all that emotional. Like, I've cried maybe once a year. I mean, I could watch, like, This Is Us and yawn. It's sad, I know, don't hate me. Don't hate me, I know you hate me, but I know what the writers are trying to do. Real life is sad enough, I don't need to watch it at night too. So, so I'm watching this movie and I didn't see it coming. This movie messed me up. And my kids kept looking up at me, what's wrong with daddy's eyes? And I was like, back off kid, popcorn salt in my eyes. So we get the kids to bed after the movie, and this true story about this horse really messed with me. And I just started Googling Secretariat, and I watched every documentary I could find. And I watched the ESPN documentary like two times. It was like one in the morning. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was just riveted by this story. And to this day, the Belmont, which is the third and final race, still stands as one of the greatest races of all time. Prior to the Belmont, Secretariat won the Kentucky Derby, the only horse in history to actually increase in speed every quarter mile. Why would a horse do that? I don't know. It just did that. Secretariat then wins the Preakness in which the horse broke for the finish line in the first turn. It's crazy. Secretariat becomes a cultural phenomenon because the the nation is broken up and stressful. There's war. There's problems. And people were riveted by this horse. The horse was on the cover of Time as the super horse. Sports Illustrated. North American attendance records were broken because everybody wanted to get a glimpse of the glory of this horse. Secretariat became known as the people's horse because nobody could control what he did. Like when that bell went off, the horse did what he wanted to do. Secretariat didn't run for money or Instagram likes. He didn't run for fame or notoriety. He just did what he was made to do, and that was be fast and powerful. So then came the third and final race in attempts to win the Triple Crown, which is the Belmont Stakes, and four other horses raced with Secretariat. And in the documentary I was watching, you've got to watch it, I'm telling you. This is what struck me so deeply, because before the race, in a very quiet moment, Lucian Lorne, who's one of the world-renowned best horse trainers pulled aside his jockey, Ron Turcotte, who's one of the best jockeys in the world. And he says this. It's crazy. He says, you know what? We've, we've won the Derby, the Preakness. Let's see what he can do. Let's really see what this horse can do. Let him run. Let the horse run his race. Now, if you know anything about horse racing, it's about strategy and timing. And when you have everything on the line, especially that much money, you play it smart. You tell the horse when to break, you pace the horse. And he's just saying, just let him run his race, man. I don't just let him run. So the bell rings and the gate slam open. Halfway by the 3 fourths mile mark. Secretariat ran a 109.2, which is the fastest in history, never to be repeated. And the analysts that day were actually the analysts that day were documented of they were cursing the jockey and the horse. I quote, you idiot, you lost the horse. You moron, you're going to kill the horse. This is in the middle of the race. But sec- Secretariat didn't slow down. In fact, some, one of the most amazing things happened, and I want us to watch what happened here in 1973. And you will see and Secretariat being led. He is number is two, but he goes into
1: the number one post. Everybody's in line, and they're off. Second the early lead goes to Mike Gallant. Yes, Mike Gallant going for the lead with twice the press on the outside. Secretariat away very well, has good position on the rail, and in fact is now going up with the leader. They're moving for the first turn. It is Secretariat. Sham on the outside is also moving along strongly. And now it's Sham. Sham and Secretariat are right together into the first turn. Those two together, Sham on the outside. Sham getting ahead in front as they move around the turn with Secretariat second. Then there's a large gap. Make it eight lengths back to Mike Gallon in third and Vice-Prince fourth. And Private Smiles is still a the trailer. Then it's another eight lengths back to Private Smiles, who is trailing the field. They continue down the backstretch, and that's Secretariat now taking the lead. He's got it by about a length and a half. Still sham. Ten lengths back. Mike Gallon twice the prince. They're moving on the turn now. For the turn in Secretariat. He looks like he's opening. The lead is increasing make it three, three and a half. Has accomplished the unbelievable task of breaking the mile and a half record by two and three-fifths seconds. That is a record that may stand forever. No contest. Listen to the crowd, listen. A gallant wave of a hat by Terracotta, and he certainly should be proud of what he and his horse did today, Jack. My goodness, it's never in my dreams that I think it would be a race
0: in that On Secretariat, Ron Turcotte ran the fastest one and a half miles on dirt in history, never to be beat to this day. Secretariat thundered across the finish line. They said, to what, 25? It was actually recorded as 31 lengths ahead of all the other horses. And the reporters there were documenting that day that the spectators who were cheering when Secretary came around, the final, la- the final stretch, that the cheering turned into tears because they are so overwhelmed by a moment like that, to witness a moment like that. And a photographer uh, captured one of the moments, one of the most remarkable moments that I couldn't get over when I saw the photo, and it was of Ron Turcotte. And he's looking back at the competition. In fact, they had such a, tr- a tough time to even get the competition in the shot. Ron was being interviewed about this very moment, and he said this. He said, I couldn't believe the power and the speed, so I just had to look back. Curiosity got the best of me, and I could barely see the other riders. And he says this, and this is key. It terrified me. In the book of Job, Job is questioning God about all the things that are happening in his life. All the things that are happening in his life, he's complaining about a whole bunch of stuff. And then God challenges Job by asking him questions back. And, and when God asks you questions back, it, they're rhetorical questions. He's not looking for an answer. The answer is the question. And God's explaining his creation, the horse, in Job 39:19 through 24. And he says, have you given the horse its strength? or clothed its neck with a flowing mane? Did you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snorting is terrifying. It paws fiercely and charges into the fray. It laughs at fear. It's afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The arrows rattle against it and the spear and javelin flash. And I love this part. In frenzied excitement, it eats up the ground. It cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. That's God's power at work. God's power laughs at fear. God's power eats up the ground. God's power is afraid of nothing. With God's power in our lives, we can charge into the fray and the things that we are most fear, the things that we have such weakness about. But we have to allow God to carry us. We have to. We all have weaknesses in our life that we would rather not have. And instead of hiding them, ask God to work through them. Like the apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He says, I'm not perfect. I haven't taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain towards what's ahead and I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. But you need to forget what is behind and move forward because faith is a verb, it moves forward. But nothing happens until we get on that horse. You can be real close to the horse. You can take a selfie with the horse. And it might be the fastest and strongest horse that there is, but nothing will ever happen until you get your feet off the ground and get onto that horse. And then watch what he can do. Watch what God can do with your story, with your failures and your weaknesses, because his power is available to you but you have to let him run. Not your will, but his will be done. His plan for your life, not your plan for your life because he is a defender, he is a rescuer, he is a good God that has a plan. And I just want all of us right now, if you just wanna stand up here for a second, I'm just gonna ask that you just bow your head right now. And just for a moment, just bow your head without anybody looking around. I just wanna ask this question. If you're here today, And you know Jesus. You know him. You followed him. But you're struggling now with something. Maybe it's a weakness. Maybe it's a failure or a sin pattern. Maybe it's a relationship, marriage, and anger problems. I don't know what it is, anxiety, fear, but God knows what it is. And you know that you can't move forward in your life until you bring it to him and ask, God, I need your power to break this in my life. God, I need your power to intervene right now. I'm weak and I need it. I'm going to ask you that you just raise your hand right now I want to pray for you guys there's a ton of hands in here God behind bars raise your hands I'm going to pray for you, you guys to put your hands down and I also want I want to ask the second question for those of you who are here right now as I've been speaking you know that God's been speaking to you about your life about what you're going through and you don't know Jesus you've heard about him And in your life, you've sensed him. And and looking back in life, you can see how God has been trying to get your attention. And if you want to make that decision today, that you want Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive your sins and to lead you going forward in your life, I'm going to ask that you just slip up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to pray. God, thank you so much for this moment. Thanks for being the power that we need. God, thank you for forgiveness. And strength, God, I pray for each and every person who's going through a tough time in their life, marriage, I don't know what it is, whatever that weakness is, God, give them the strength to get through it. Give them power right now in Jesus' name. Heal relationships. Heal that part of their heart that's broken. And God, we just celebrate with you for those who've made a decision today to ask you into their life, God, give them the power so that someday they can look back and see what you've done in their life. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all of Red Rock's church said, amen. Amen. Let's worship.